This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Serrano, a.k.a. The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. What up, what up, what up? It is Jonathan Escudero here, a.k.a. Yogi. Yogi is here in studio and here for a very special reason. We are here to continue being the shepherds of the comic book uh, land as we bring you just like we did with dark Knight's metal into death metal. One of the next biggest uh, crossover events happening over there at DC comics uh, with the first issue dropping. If you're listening to this, the first issue is out right now. So just like we went to great lengths to dissect dark Knight's metal in a two part episode of the major issues podcast, that you can go back and listen to right now. We also managed to cover the event that took place right after that, which just so happens to be uh, No Justice, (laughs) which deals with all of the implications of Dark Knight's Metal and basically sets a brand new standard for the Justice League as we know it. So when sitting back and thinking of how best to lead you guys, the click, to Dark Knight's, oh, sorry, to Death Metal, we have to cover Scott Snyder's Justice League, which does great things to set up the events and bridge the gap between Dark Knight's Metal and Death Metal. On a scale from 1 to 10, Yogi, how are you feeling about Death Metal? Oh, I am excited. I actually already read the first issue, and I am, like, stupid hyped right now. <laughs> I got to get out in on that, man. I, I really... I. Um, Scott Snyder was one of the first uh, writers I followed issue to issue during his Batman run on the New 52. And um, I ended up meeting you, GT, all right, in the year 2016 when all this stuff with Rebirth started coming out. And then we had Dark Knight's Metal, which was right up my alley because I had already read all that Batman stuff. No Justice comes right after that. And now we're going to tackle the Justice League book, which which literally lays the groundwork for Metal. Um, there are some things done. Scott Snyder does some incredible things with this Justice League book uh, that make it stand apart from other people's um, runs on the book. What do you like the most about what Scott Snyder was able to do? Well, first of all, the lineup was uh, one of my favorites. <clears throat> I also, I'm also a big giant time travel multiverse uh, fan. So seeing him kind of spread this story throughout all of space and time basically was uh very entertaining for me uh maybe my if i had to pick i guess one favorite moment 
I, I almost don't want to spoil it because we'll get into it in, a, in a part <laughs> two. But uh, okay. there was just so much uh, going on. It got so big. The scope of this story was uh, insanely large. Uh, I he, he did a lot of his classic Snyder. Uh, it was always there all along, but you never saw it stuff. But I, I, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for all of what Justice League was, and I'm down for what Death Metal, Dark Knight, and it is Dark Knight's Death Metal, but act like no K, like Dark Knights. <laughs> yeah, that's what they did. That's what they did with metal as well. It was Dark Knights metal, and I remember that for a for a while. I was like, so why the distinction of knights? But that's because they had dark days as well. The prequels yeah, think- were dark days. It, 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 it's uh, it was pretty silly, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of a lot of metal is silly in in, right? in on purpose. Almost, yes. it's very it's very much meant to have fun, not take itself too seriously, but also not kind of throw its own story out the window. <laughs> and that's a distinction that Scott Snyder has as somebody who, like I said, you know, was following him issue to issue. He has both an intense love for what's come before him, but also he has this, um, this itch uh, or this, um, I, I don't I, like this yearning to, to break open the universe as it is. You were mentioning about how big in scale this gets when we start, um, Batman, for instance, just for, as an example, you know, we have the court of owls, which is like, he's dealing with like one or two assassins that thing blows up into like a whole world of assassins. And by the time you get to the end, it's like a whole Gotham war against this um, Dr. Bloom character and things have gone <laughs> way off the rails in the best way. Um, and I think that that, that kind of describes Justice League as it stands. It, there's definitely a level of respect for the team and um, all that it's put forth, but also a level of like, oh, why hasn't anyone ever explored this before? And that's definitely uh, Scott Snyder's trait. So I'm happy that he was able to be a part of this book. Um, I wasn't really following Justice League during Rebirth until I heard that Scott was on it. I was following Batman because, I, you know, I'm a fan, Flash, a couple of others, um, and Metal, definitely. Um, were you following Justice League prior to this? Yeah, yeah, it was actually nothing of big consequence. I don't know that they put in too much focus onto the Justice League book, if only because they were waiting for Scott Snyder's to jump on that. So that was a bit of filler stuff going on when Rebirth first started. But yeah, I was reading. I think Christopher Priest was writing. Uh, I remember... Right, the Extinction <laughs> Machines or whatever? Yeah, he created like his own Black Panther. Oh, uh, oh, wow. oh yes, yes, yes. I remember this. Red yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that stuff was going on. Yannick Paquette was uh, doing some awesome coverage, but that was all about I cared about when it came to Justice League before Snyder. Uh, and before that was Jeff Johns, which I am a fan of, as much as I didn't like some of the things New 52 did with some characters, and, and the anti-monitor in that final story was one of them. So I was glad to see in this version of the Justice League that uh, we kind of gave all the monitors and everyone a pretty uh, important role. Yeah, yeah. And that, that goes back to, like we were talking about, again, Snyder's affinity for the past and um, his affinity, even but even when you know touching base with the monitors um he still manages to add right to that mythos absolutely he's left it he could have just left it as it as it was and um you know we start to see some of the creations of 
or that cameoed in Dark Knight's Metal throughout Justice League, and it makes you think they have to be a part of what's to come with Dark Knight's Metal. People like the Batman Who Laughs, the World Forger, like these characters, for the most part, if you didn't follow through Metal, can be a bit confusing as to how they got there. Yeah, I mean, clearly this, and I hear a complaint about the Justice League run, is one of, one of the major complaints I hear about this Justice League run is that um, it didn't have its own identity. This wasn't something you can pick up and read on its own. And uh, and that that's true, but it's yeah. part of a larger story. And if you want to read it from the beginning, then I'll just point you to Metal. And if you don't want to read Metal, then you don't want a part of the story, and I guess that's on you. Um, right, yeah. That's all I can really say about that. I mean, one can say, you know, I, I want to get my money's worth or whatever. In that case, I'll say that any comic you pick up is going to have at least some type of backstory that you didn't get to read. So if you really want to, you can. And I know people who have. Like GT Rebirth, one of our very beloved co-hosts, did not read Metal, yeah. but he read Justice League all yeah. the way through, and he had it. He didn't seem to have a problem. Right. But I also feel like, you know, initially there was rumors that it was going to be called that metal was going to be called dark crisis. Right. Yeah. And so it was going to have crisis level effects on the multiverse. I'm yeah. assuming if you read justice league after crisis on infinite earths, all that, that there's still remnants of crisis in there. Right? I, would like, guess, I, guess, I guess the biggest difference here is that clearly uh, this was meant to take you from like metal to metal, you know, like clearly this yeah. justice league book was like a bridge, you know, uh, it's just kind of Snyder telling the story that he started with metal and continuing on to uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal, which, uh, I mean, personally, I don't have a problem with that because I like long, sprawling stories if they're yes. if they're good. Sometimes they're not. I thought this one was good. Right. I, um, it, it's funny that you mentioned GT because um, you have that amazing Jason Aaron run with Thor, and we covered um, War of the Realms. And War of the Realms is much richer if you went if you've read Thor, if you've gone through that journey with Thor, and so as somebody who was a fan of that level of storytelling, where it was concise and continued throughout, I'm I'm a fan of this as well. You have um, with Metal the big moment in Metal is at the end where they're able to save their uh, universe from being in in the dark multiverse. They raise up and they accidentally break the source wall. Uh, which at, at which was basically like this this hard membrane around the entire universe that blocked it from seemingly uh, uh, various threats. The first uh, set of threats is is those I can't even remember what they were called, but those humongous beings that they tackle in um, No Justice. So. Justice League is dealing with two major fallouts from Metal and No Justice. The first being the breaking of the source wall and the dangers that are to come because of it. And the second is the turning, seemingly, or I guess reverting back, of Lex Luthor, who had spent so much time trying to be a hero and, and really digging. He seems to have really dug his role as savior of humanity and even joins the Justice League in No, in, in no Justice in an attempt to help them against outside sources, all to find out um, that the most dominant source in the world is entropy. And it kind of makes him feel kind of shitty. And he wants to just now go for doom. So I feel like that. one of the, I feel like one of the larger things that happened in no justice was the fact that, uh, you know, we already covered it in our podcast. So like insert link here, but um, you, you, you the justice league actually did kill 
one of the four uh, essential <laughs> elemental oh, yes, you're right. yes. beings in No Justice. And we were kind of left with a sense of what have we done, but we never really explored that. So that's another thing that kind of carries on into the Justice League one. But I, uh, I was... When it comes to Lex, I am always uh, I always love to see Lex at full Lex. So this, I want to say, this might be one of his largest schemes yet. And I was like, down, I am down. Yeah, yeah, it was cool to see him in his element. And I remember, you know, off the rip, one of the first things that we find out about Justice League, written by Scott Snyder, before it even came to print, was this idea that we were going to get a new lineup. And we'll talk about that for a bit. But what was more exciting was the idea that facing this lineup would be the Legion of Doom. And I was really curious as to why all those people would agree to be with each other, especially the Joker. But we'll get we'll get to those machinations in a bit. Um, ultimately, the entire story... Uh, from issue one starts off when a chunk of the source wall, later named the totality, comes streaking across space with Earth as its target. Beings across time and space witness its trajectory but can't do anything to stop it. On Earth, we link up with the new Justice League that was formed after No Justice. Batman, Superman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Aquaman, Hawkgirl, and Martian Manhunter, who is not only the team's new leader, but uses his math- massive powers of telepathy to link all the members of the league for easy communication. Uh, what do you think about this lineup when it was first announced? And, and I guess it, in fruition here, I'm a, I was excited. I love this lineup. This is going to be one of my favorites in a long time. Uh, it, it, it might be because of my emotional connection to the justice league animated series, but uh, just seeing the, this heavy seven right here, this is the big, this is like my big seven. And I do prefer John Stewart to Hal Jordan. So I, I am down. I, I, I love this Justice League lineup here. Um, <clears throat> I was happy that we had Cyborg and um, John Stewart. Yes, sir. BLM. I, like, wow. I am excited. Yeah. I'm down. I am down. I, honestly, the addition of Cyborg was something that was weird to me when it first happened back in 2011, the New 52 thing. But as the yeah. years have gone by, I've really come to appreciate Cyborg as a member of the Justice League. Honestly, I don't I, Who did they have as a tech guy before him? Was it just like uh, Ted Cord and Bruce Wayne? Yeah, and 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 Cyborg's knowledge of, of technology surpasses both of them. He's living technology. Yeah, the league <laughs> took their time with that but i'm glad he's become such an essential member of the dc universe i was gonna ask off off air we were talking about writers prolific writers of uh batman justice league and stuff like that we brought up grant morrison and we spoke about the fact that maybe scott and grant have uh, a pretty cool relationship in the sense that scott is a bit um inspired and motivated by some of the bigger changes that grant's done and we spoke that grant um actually helped write some of uh metal you know some of the the parts of metal there so i'm i say all this to ask do you think that martian manhunter being the 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 connecting force is also a grant morrison thing wasn't that something that grant did in the 2000s he also horrifically killed uh martian manhunter so maybe i won't (laughs) (laughs) is is he the one who does the furnace thing He's the one who put him. He stabbed him through the chest and set him in, on fire and killed him in Final Crisis. Oh, oh uh, dear! Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> I 
I will say that Scott Snyder has gone on record saying that he, coming out of metal, he wanted to put focus on uh, a few new characters. He wanted a few new characters to come out of the other side with a new focus and a new spotlight on them, maybe framed differently as to their relationship with the larger DC universe. Martian Manhunter was one of them, and I think he did so pretty successfully. Honestly, uh, I don't know that I, I don't know that he ever got his own solo spotlight. But as long as the Justice League was out. As long as the Justice League book was going, Martian Manhunter definitely got some well-needed lore expansion, and uh, I was happy to see it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see it. Uh, so the League is spread out in this first issue. They're conquering a bunch of obstacles uh, placed around the globe by Vandal Savage. You got Martian Manhunter watching from space. Um, Vandal, in his immortal insanity, is trying to use the moon's iron core to uh, affect the Earth's crust. So Martian Manhunter just transforms into a weird moon creature and attacks the moon at the same time that Batman detonates some explosives he placed there. And I found it funny because they were like, I, Martian Manhunter was like, I'm going to attack it. But when I do, Bruce, you need to activate the bombs you put on the moon. And Bruce is like, the bombs I put on the moon? He's like, shut up. I know you got bombs on the moon. He's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll do it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Um yeah, they get rid of the moon, and we see that um, Savage's henchmen are not pleased because they're like, how the hell did we get thwarted? Uh, but Savage himself is surprised because Lex Luthor shows up in his mech suit, and he kind of attacks Savage after they squabble for a bit. Martian Manhunter calls for a telepathic meeting and warns the Justice League about the totality and its incoming collision with Earth. The totality seems to contain the heart of the source wall, and inside of it lives a source of limitless power, if one could decode it. It is only two minutes away from impact with Earth. Back with Lex Luthor, uh, he's kind of disposed of Vandal's henchmen. Um, and yeah, the League decides that they're going to shoot the totality out of the sky. <laughs> but end up reasoning that its unknown potential might be what can repair their broken universe after metal and no justice. After this, a discussion, they decide to let the totality come to Earth. That's a pretty big deal. A, uh, a knock is heard at Vandal Savage's headquarters as he's frozen by Lex Luthor. Suddenly, the Legion of Doom appear. Joker, Grodd, Cheetah, Manta, and Sinestro. Vandal demands they leave his dwelling, but Luthor assures him that it's Lex's all along. And we get a wide shot of Vandal Savage's headquarters, and it looks just like the OG Legion of Doom base in Super Friends. What do you think about that, uh, that poll? I was always... I, I... <laughs> I like the little cheeky Legion of Doom thing because if we're yeah. gonna go there, let's go there, let's go all the way. But I also 100%. like to see, I, I I like to see kind of silly concepts get brought into the modern ages. So uh, the Legion of Doom thing was fun. I I also like the kind of mission in progress at beginning to the whole run. I'm I'm a, I'm a yeah. fan of stuff like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like this uh, uh, Jim Chung's art in the first issue was freaking amazing first of all I love Jim Chung's art I know people were like well his faces always look the same but I'm like uh, screw you guys <laughs> like, it, it, it was really it was really showcased and really looked cool when you were seeing the Justice League split on different parts of Earth doing different things you know, uh, yeah, like you got to really see that, and they were all joking around too. They had like this jovial nature. Yeah, that's, it. Around that's exactly it. Really, really cool. Snyder definitely nailed the uh, interactions 
uh, the, 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 everyone having the impressions of Bruce and, and all that, that was all fun. That was all fun. Kind of seeing the justice league pal around like that. So it was great to kind of show off in the first issue. Like, Hey, I, I know what I'm doing with this. It was just and, I, and completely tongue in cheek with Wonder Woman saying she's the goddamn Wonder Woman, yeah. <laughs> which is really really funny. <laughs> that was a really cool callback. Uh, so this is what I'm going to need some explaining with. So Lex shows uh, Vandal a doorknob, stating that only those who seek its power can see it. He then uses the knob to kill the immortal. Um, th- is this thing a doorknob? Like, is this thing an actual doorknob? Nah, or is it like this weird. Metal- it's a, it's a piece of the totality. Okay. okay. It, yeah, it's a piece of the totality that broke off while it was um, crashing through space and time. So since it's going through space and time, where it lands is not always a where. It could be a when. Okay. So right. that's, that we, was, saw this, we saw all the people who are watching it from all different uh, places in time can yeah. see the totality in, in, its, in its path. Yes. So that piece broke off, and I want to say it landed uh, – uh, maybe a month, six months prior to uh, to uh, Luth, or not even six months. We'll get into that much later in the run. I remember now. Yeah, but yes, it um, does. Is, is there a, is there another is there a justice knob? Did I forget that there was a justice knob? I don't think there was. I think there was just uh, it, it was just the the one piece of metal that Luthor had that kind of had the symbol of doom. Oh, but it can it can be converted to justice. At yes, points. I think that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, Later on in this story. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, I feel better now. (laughs) Um, Suddenly, Martian Manhunter has a vision of the Omniverse being destroyed and him being the last one left alive. He can't shake the feeling that by letting the totality come, he has doomed Earth and his friends. Both him and Lex anticipate big things from the totality. But while Martian Manhunter hopes it brings balance, Lex is hoping for doom. And I think this is the first time that we we are given a reason to believe that Lex and um, John's or John uh, are, are kind of two sides of the same coin. And I think this was something that was played around with in no justice. They, they had a, a bit of a um, talk at the end of that series where Luther was basically like, I'm going to have my eyes on you, <laughs> which was like, oh, okay. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Um, you got something? Yeah, no. I'm, I mean, you pretty much hit it all on the head. Uh, the 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 little foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the future was fun. Um, now that I know what it is, it's fun to to to, to remember Martian Manhunter's vision. So that's always cool. Yeah. Speaking of which, I think that this entire run is is way more enjoyable on the second on the second go around. Maybe because uh, I, like a lot of it, a lot of it, I'm waiting and looking for the other pieces to drop. Where this one, yeah. I know kind of how it how it plays out, and I have the patience to let it play out as it's supposed to, because um they we have all all these issues are incredibly dense in the best way, but um the through line may not always be um easily identified, but you can see it, you can see how everything connects and eventually gets us to where we got to go, so that's great. Um, so in a flashback, we see how Lex got control of the Knob of Doom. Even though it's not a knob, that's what I'm calling it. He was visiting <laughs> and destroying his father's old Legionnaire Club when he started glowing. In space, Batman uses Swamp Thing to help send a message to John Stewart, who is on a secret mission from the Guardians. Turns out the totality has landed in the Nevada desert. And even though the Justice League Dark has it cloaked, it's still causing suspicion. I, the, uh, go ahead, brother. I was going to say, I guess we should, I guess, uh, 
we should point out that that first Lex Luthor scene was a flashback because it does sound kind of weird in a context. But um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said in a flashback, but yeah, you're 100 percent right. That that took place prior. Yes, 100%. Um, but, but, but. So Batman formally invites John to the team, um, but John is kind of hesitant. He's done some things in the past he's not 100% proud of. Uh, but Batman tries to fill him in with everything that's going on. Killer Croc has gotten too close to the totality. He transforms into this uh, extremely powerful mutated version of himself. So the Justice League take him down with Beast Boy's help, but Batman is still waiting for John's answer. Meanwhile, with the Legion of Doom, I always wanted to say that <laughs> Lex Luthor tells his compatriots that the totality is the key to everything. But first, they must unlock seven hidden forces to be able to control it. One for each of them. For the first force, the still force, which is the opposite of the Flash's speed force, Lex gifts Grodd a baby version of Turtle, a Flash villain who harnesses the still force. The turtle. Uh, the turtle is something I never really knew too much about. So, like, this might be my first uh, read with the turtle in it, to tell you the truth. What's fantastic is that, as it should do, the Flash show uh, informed me of turtle. There's turtles in um, the Flash, and he does exactly what you see here, which is send a wave of stillness. So Flash will be running, and then all of a sudden this green wave will pass by him, and he's suddenly slower. And turtle can send more and more of these waves to get to the point where he can't even move he can't even run um so it, knowing seeing turtle here and at the time it wasn't revealed to be turtle at the time garage is looking at this baby and he's like is this who i think it is and lex is like yeah and so we're kind of left in the dark but uh we find out that yeah it's it's turtle oh shoot yeah, back with the justice league martian manhunter and superman decide they need to go inside the totality now because they can't risk waiting they bench Barry, whose powers have been on the fritz since the Flash War, and explain their plan. Because the totality mutates whatever comes near, only Superman and Martian Manhunter can withstand its effects. This means the other Justice Leaguers have to shrink and travel inside the bodies of John and Clark. Kendra is hesitant, but they are adamant it's the only way. As John is in space, he notices that the still force might be unlocked, and he's introduced to the second of the seven hidden forces, the emotional spectrum when Sinestro, former Green and Yellow Lantern, shows up wielding a ring that harnesses the invisible emotional spectrum, something never seen before. John, are you tired of these rings? <laughs> how, are you, how are you on on adding uh, core member core to the, this this thing? I mean, I'm just I guess I'm not down with this new Gold Lantern thing. First of all, <laughs> while we're okay. talking about new lanterns, um, right? But <clears throat> the idea that there was this uh, kind of one over emotional spectrum, like the light and the death, I thought that would have been. I thought it, I thought the emotional spectrum was fine as it was. So, um, yes. what 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 was this one called again? I want to say it's called. This is called no. Uh, yeah, this is called the invisible emotional spectrum. Oh man, because that implies the ultraviolet core. Oh good, yeah, I, that because that implies that there's like a whole bunch of other colors too. <laughs> I, I don't. It, it's, the, it's it's the first core to play with the idea of light because I guess the other ones do as well. The idea that all of it would be white, all of it would be black. You know, the the adding or subtracting. Um, but yeah, this is like taking the light part of it, the light construct part of it, to this nth degree because that means eventually, like you were saying, then there would have to be an infrared. 
Yeah, and I'm not that, uh, core. <laughs> I am not down with this at all. But um, it you you I want to say it was done away with pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Now that I think about it, because I was gonna say, well, later we get that moment of John understanding or at least having control over it. But you're right. That's not the point because he eventually just becomes a Green Lantern. So there's no. There's no need for any of that stuff. That's, 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 that's pretty funny. Uh, so Hawk Girl and Batman are inserted into the bodies of Martian Manhunter and Superman, respectively. Uh, they're miniaturized. It's put inside there. Uh, <laughs> Man inserted yeah. into Superman's body, and we. You that's why I had to. I had to clarify. It was microscopic, bro. I had to make sure I connected those dots. <laughs> um. So the two step forward towards the totality. While Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Flash look on, they are suddenly bombarded with ultraviolet light as Jon Stewart, draped in purple, crashes through their ceiling. Um, so yeah, we got we got some beef here now because Jon seems to be overtaken. Um, and back with the Legion of Doom, Cheetah senses Lex might be lying about all of this. The totality, the forces, uh, she don't trust them. So she claws his face off and reveals Luther to be a Lexbot. Luther can't be there physically because it is revealed that he is also microscopic and using Superman as a vessel to get closer to the totality. Nuts. That, that's some <laughs> devious <laughs> levels. Yeah, that's some big levels that of deviousness nuts. right there. Um, I was on board, though. I was like, we're going like this? We're doing this? Um, <laughs> and this is just like the second issue. <laughs> 100%. And I like that majority of these issues um, try to start off with a little bit of a background on the villains. Because when the third one opens up, we, we're shown a young Sinestro who kind of fancied himself a bit of an explorer. And one day he unearthed an unforeseen power. But before he can harness it, he kind of became a Green Lantern. So uh, back in the present, uh, Jon Stewart is taking down the Justice League. He takes down Diana. He takes down Arthur and Barry without even breaking a sweat using his new power ring, uh, which is kind of sort of corrupting him. Using the ultraviolet power ring, he's able to in, uh, harness immense shame, which seems to be the ring's power, and use it to make constructs that are stronger than his usual ones. He gets the better of them, but Cyborg uses a sound cannon to knock him out. What do you think about this whole uh, evil John storyline? I mean, it was. It, it, I'm glad it didn't last um, too long. But um, <clears throat> knowing how short it was, it wasn't. It didn't bother me. I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan of it, but it didn't bother me either. I'm kind of over the um, our teammate got taken over trope. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with like this brand new thing that we yeah. since we don't it's new we can really do anything because we don't have to really explain what's going on. Exactly. It's like I don't know what's exactly going on. I just know that uh, <laughs> it's working. I don't yeah, like. Yeah. At one point, Aquaman attacks it and it's like these like constructs are nothing to me. And then it's like, well, these are not normal constructs. And I'm like, so how? Like, tell me <laughs> how. <laughs> well, I guess if, if John does have immense shame over the Zanshi thing, that's yes. the major thing in his lore. So I guess I get it. Where does that take place? Is that is that like in How Jordan and the Green Lanterns or something? No, no, I wanna say that's even I wanna say that's even prior to that. If it didn't take place in Green Lantern Core, then it took place in the early two thousands. I gotta we've gotta pinpoint that and maybe talk about yeah. that later on. Definitely. Cause he is yeah, he is uh, mortified by that whole thing. Um, but, 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 so Martian Manhunter and Superman make their way to the center of the totality, battling mutated animals as they go, as you do. 
They check on their tiny counterparts who are doing their best to combat the, the totality's effects at a microscopic level, and we see that Lex is not too far behind. Um, back with John Stewart, Mr. Terrific shows up, and the crew wants to know what's going on. Stewart explains that he was tipped off to the emo- invisible emotional spectrum when he found one of Sinestro's diaries detailing it and its source of power, which is a living phantom galaxy powered by a sentient black sun called Umbrax. Turns out Umbrax moves unseen and then snatches planets and places them in its galaxy. The more shame and hatred on the planet, the more it is to be pulled into Umbrax's wake. Then John tells them that uh, what the Legion of Doom already know, which is that there are seven hidden forces all held together by the Still Force. And Stuart confirms their worst fears. With the Still Force unleashed, Umbrax is now unleashed and will come for Earth. They split up to find out how to tackle both issues. At the, total, uh, at the totality, Superman and Martian Manhunter get close and can actually see pieces of the source wall. The wall begins to talk to Martian Manhunter, and Superman's a bit weary. Despite Clark's warnings, he touches the wall and flashes back to seeing himself as a kid, putting his hand against a glass, separating him and a human child who is doing the same. Suddenly, the wall becomes sentient and tries to attack both of them. Uh, what is the wall's beef with Martian Manhunter? Is that revealed? Well, out? yeah, the I don't know if He's the first abomination, right? That's what they're so they yelling I, at him. Because I guess not to get into too many spoilers, but uh, the initial beings of our universe were Martians, kind of mixed with humans, right? So I want to assume the wall or whatever perpetual essence is left in the wall is kind of like disgusted by the Martian by itself. Ah, uh, that makes a lot. So it just it's 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 reminded about the yeah. about the very worst citizens that were in the galaxy, which were these <laughs> these uh, ravenous um, war loving uh, hybrids. Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, get Martian Manhunter is just confused, like from the beginning of the story throughout, because he's like, "What the hell is going on?" A uh, poor guy. So, uh, Wonder Woman, Flash, and Aquaman. Find the Legion of Doom's uh, water base, ocean base, and notice that they seem to have a bunch of white Martians captured for some reason. The Martians break free of their cells and attack the League, while Superman and Martian Manhunter dodge their attacker. We see that Joker is on Kendra's ship with a chainsaw. We also see that Cyborg and Jon Stewart went to what was left of the moon, hoping to locate Umbrax, but Sinestro shows up, telling them it's too late. Umbrax has pulled Earth into its dark galaxy. <laughs> Umbrax. I, Umbrax. I, 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 uh, I kind of was, when I first saw Umbrax, I kind of felt like, where did this creature come from? I, I, could, I don't think I've ever read about this guy. And no, I haven't. He got created for this yeah. one. <clears throat> it makes a lot of sense. Um, so our next issue, just like the other ones, opens up with a villain, a Grodd flashback. And we see that he's the runt of his gorilla clan. And we're also shown how sadistic Grodd is because he uses his telepathy to make a, a an explorer, a stranded explorer, dance until the skin came off of his feet. That's a lot, Grodd. You got some problems. Yeah. Uh, um, in the present day, Superman and Martian Manhunter battle a sentient piece of the source wall while Joker reveals himself to Kendra. Lex also manages to shoot Batman's microscopic plane down, leaving him stranded inside Superman's body. On the moon, Sinestro and John duke it out, and Sinestro uses his power ring to shatter John's power ring in a big moment. I was like, oh, this is over. But then 
yeah. <laughs> as, as the rest of the league take on the White Martians, Grodd appears with Baby Turtle using the Still Force, uh, stopping them all in their tracks. He then makes Diana see Cheetah when looking at Aquaman, and Arthur see Manta when looking at Wonder Woman, so they fight each other. Superman demands Martian Manhunter come clean with his concerns and what he saw when touching the wall. Manhunter says that he feels that like all he knows of Martian history might be wrong and all of this might be his fault. And shockingly, Superman agrees. We then go microscopic to see that Lex has taken over Superman's body while Joker has knocked out Kendra and taken over John's. When the Flash tries to fight against the Still Force, it fully unlocks, breaking the cosmic membrane and leaving Earth vulnerable to the Phantom Galaxy and all of the myriad of planets under Umbrax's control. Sinestro uses his power to create a massive ultraviolet core, and with Superman and Martian Manhunter's bodies commandeered, they walk towards the center of the totality and towards doom. I'm telling you, bro, that artwork when Superman changes is amazing. Yeah. That's uh, Jorge Jimenez. Yeah, that look that he suddenly has, he's like, it is all your fault. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on? But yeah, you know, so the two craziest members of the Legion of Doom are microscopic inside the bodies of the two most powerful Justice Leaguers at the moment, walking towards an unlimited source of power. So things are not going great for the heroes right know. now. Uh, speaking of Doom, our next comic is uh, villain-focused. This is one of the things that you like about this run, right? I think it was every fourth issue. Every fourth or – I think it was every fourth or fifth. Every fifth issue. Yeah. In the beginning anyway. Right. They they would uh, take this focus off of the Justice League and onto the Legion of Doom. So this is the first time this happens in this run. Uh, you see all the villains all over the universe stopping simultaneously as they feel something big is happening. This is because Luther is getting closer and closer to his goal. We're shown the Hall of Doom kept hidden in a lake of lava by enhancements. Oh, sorry, enchantments, enchantments which sound, makes a lot more sense. And <laughs> filled to the brim with dangerous weapons, including one in the basement and an interrogation chamber. When we flash back to Luther recruiting Sinestro, oh, we then flash back to Luther recruiting Sinestro, who has just been given the order to help the Green Lantern Corps hold back the source wall, and he's furious. He isn't convinced by Lex's speech, so Lex makes a confession. Um, this is a big moment here. Um, Lex confesses that he went from defending the Earth as Super Lex, only to find out, via no justice, that entropy is the dominant energy of human life. He took apart his mother box, which is blasphemy, used his power to go into the future one million years from now, uh, and stood in awe as he sees an enormous statue of himself. After meeting some of the inhabitants, he's told that he is in Lexor City, dedicated to the man whose teachings were unearthed by an archaeologist and who helped steer society away from superheroes. The real tragedy was that Lex was not appreciated in his own time. What do you think about Lexor and this continued narrative that Luther's going to be <laughs> kind of a god in the future? I thought that was actually interesting because, as we all know, none of these futures are stick. But no. the idea that literally th this future is destroyed in this issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> One more is that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I like the idea that a person as smart as Lex Luthor could have eventually been the peak of humanity. Yeah. And and he would, 
like that narrative is is perfect for him. Like that, like that. Of course, that would make him uh, be so power hungry as he is right now. The idea that he was so close to greatness but never realized in his time uh, that sets things in motion real quick for Lex. Sorry. Uh, we then see Lex recruit Grodd with the same stories, uh, with the same story that continues with Lex unearthing secrets of the universe under his father's legionnaire club building. In this underground workshop was the symbol of the doorknob and the description of its symbol, the symbol of doom. He chooses Sinestro so together they can unlock the invisible emotional spectrum and chooses Grodd so they can get the still force. We see him with Cheetah, Joker, and Manta, uh, and the rest as Lex explains how he will give one unlocked force to each of them for their cooperation. What a good boss. Uh, because he changed his past, his future of Lexor is wiped away from existence with its inhabitants happy that they led Lex to a better tomorrow. And Lex is gleeful as he reminds himself that we as humans are animals. So any predatory nature should just take its course. He challenges the reader to choose a side, but not just any side. The right side. Doom. <laughs> what do you think about this all-villain issue? Fuck justice side with the dude. <laughs> That's exactly what he says, right? That is the quote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scott, Scott likes to, to have a couple curses in his. I think one issue probably. He, find, he finds a way to slide something in. He does uh, like to be edgy. <laughs> I was wondering in, in the beginning how you get all these people together, but the idea that you would give each one of them an unlocked um, you know, uh, piece of magic or, or, or force that binds the universe together that's a pretty good bargaining chip i was still wondering how uh and why sinestro was being a dick again but uh, i guess we got our answer yes yeah <laughs> so as sinestro's army approaches earth lex gets closer to the totality before he's attacked by batman who managed to survive superman's body using a kryptonite ring completely unmatched lex cripples batman using the knob of doom elsewhere Cheetah and Manta grab the key to the graveyard of the gods and the tier of extinction, which will come into play in uh, Drowned Earth. Kendra manages to wake up Martian Manhunter inside his body, and he teleports himself, Superman, and Batman back to the Justice League headquarters. Batman's arms and legs are destroyed, and no one knows where Kendra is. John Stewart starts to feel the control of the invisible spectrum take over and tells the team that maybe they should succumb to the forces instead of trying to fight them. Using a boost from Superman, Martian Manhunter, uh, Martian Manhunter's help and Flash's vehicle, John Stewart travels around Earth, inspiring its, in, its inhabitants. Manhunter begins to come to terms with his part in all this as well. Flash calms down and Stewart asks for forgiveness. Uh, John's method works, but instead of the Earth embodying willpower, it chooses life, which is the energy that moves all mankind, good or bad. This also means Earth is imbued with white lantern energy, making it impossible to join Umbrax's phantom galaxy. Did I get that right? Is that what happened? <laughs> that That's exactly what happened. I thought that was actually really cool. The idea yes, that, it was. that uh, life can overpower everything. I was like, that is beautiful. <laughs> Um, at the moment when that happens, uh, Snyder's having a blast describing that Joker is like gleeful at the idea that all of this is kind of come to a head. And then the idea that, uh, the heroes win, at least this part, the Umbrax part is like, his reaction was like, if someone told a better joke, 
I was like, that's a that's a kind of like like he just knows like he they didn't win this one, and uh, I th- I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so near the totality, Luther is attacked by Hawk Girl who has light construct wings. All of a sudden, they continue to do battle as Flash tries to use the Still Force to re-expand the universe. Lex overpowers Kendra and Cyborg warns that all the planets that Umbrax controls are all going to fire on Earth simultaneously and everything will be destroyed. That is some craziness. Like the idea that you have a galaxy against a planet. Yeah. They're all just going to shoot on Earth because they can't have it. Um, Across Earth, the Justice League are fighting back. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are buying Flash time so he can harness the Still Force. Jon Stewart is defending against Sinestro as Luther reaches out to touch the totality. Before he can touch it, though, Hawk Girl reemerges him, reemerges him, reemerges and stabs him through the chest. Superman flies into the Phantom Galaxy, uses his X-ray field to deflect some of the harmful energy that is targeting Earth. Flash is able to access the Still Force and close the cosmic membrane, blocking Umbrax from Earth. Sinestro shouts uh, to Stewart that he ruined everything, and John conjures a ring out of pure will and regains his Green Lantern powers. Is this the first time that's happened from somebody? It's the first time I've seen it, but that that seems like something that has to have been done before. Like willing, just out of your will. Willing, your. I know Ion is capable of doing something like that, but isn't he? Isn't he like a living like lantern or something like that? Like a living. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we got some membrane blocking. Okay, near the totality. Luther watches Kendra reach uh, for the knob and is suddenly transported uh, to the Legion of Doom headquarters. Confused, he demands that the other members be teleported back as well. We see Kendra acquire the totality with the Justice League, hoping its immense power can repair the universe. They keep it in a secure box in the Hall of Justice. Afterwards, Flash, Kendra, and John speak about what happened. Kendra's confused about how her wings have been acting. Barry is terrified about what he saw when accessing the Still Force. And John admits that he doesn't quite understand how his ring appeared. But it's no time for questions as Martian Manhunter declares a mission for Thanagar, home planet of the Hawk people, as their next target for answers. I just want to talk about how there's this scene uh, towards the end of the book where uh, the three, I guess, uh, the Justice League teams are together and they're talking about how we're up against a Legion or whatever. And I know that initially, they, much like Dawn of X with the X-Men right now at Marvel, Snyder's Justice League was supposed to be like a mini franchise within the within the DC Universe. Uh, Titans, Titans, Justice League Dark, Justice League Odyssey, and the main Justice League book. But uh, it I don't know if it was the lack of sales or anything, but it looks like they, they you know, we never none of those books ever ever tie into Justice League the way they were originally right. meant to, you know. I guess. That's a shame. <laughs> That's and this, but this whole even this whole plot point of Thanagar was something placed in metal. Correct. Yeah, which is really cool. Uh, uh, That's where we oh. first find Johns. Uh, who had been gone for the majority of the New 52. So it was cool to see him come back. Uh, he was actually on Thanagar when that happened. I also want to say Batman's uh, Batman's got an armor now because his whole body's broken, and that armor is cool as <laughs> it is. Yeah, so- the, when they show him and his limbs are going in opposite directions, that's a horrifying look. 
Oh, okay. He was broken. It's crazy. Yeah. He's actually he's destroyed. Shattered. Shattered. This will be brought up when in, in fanboy conversation for the rest of eternity. But don't you yes. remember and, that is shattered? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, a lot of people claimed that Snyder overhyped Batman during his run. You and know, a lot of people first, claimed that he made him the Bat God and stuff. In the very first arc, he just immediately uh, cripples him. But um, yeah. so he's I like, so he's like, this is what would happen. I can't agree with the Bat God thing because it's been that way since way before Snyder. But uh, yeah. oh, man, I yeah. cut you off. Before I, I, I love this run. I think I think I cut you off before we got to talk about Starman. Are we at? St- no, no, no. Yeah, no. We're. In, I'm not there yet. I'm almost there. So, um, yeah. So, Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Martian Manhunter hopes to consult the Keep, a Martian with all the knowledge of the universe, uh, in her head, because he believes her to be hiding something from him. He also confesses that he saw the grand design of the universe, and the universe points to cruelty, and asks if the Justice League are stopping the world from being what they're meant to become. Batman disagrees as Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman question what's to come for them. Suddenly, an injured Starman from the future? I want to say, is it the future? No, it would have to be the past. It comes from the past. It's Starman from, I want to say, maybe the 90s. 90s Starman. Um, He arrives horribly injured, um, saying that he has answers. Luther, frustrated about uh, failing... Enlist the help of his secret weapon, the Batman who laughs. And that was a hell of an ending to that. I want to say that's the first uh, volume. arc called the totality. And so the idea that Lex would, like, all of it's so great because he his hubris and his hubris is actually rewarded when he sees that future. You know, he has it unlocked that this is what's going to happen. They're going to go down, grab the totality, and it's going to be it. And the idea that he would lose to the Justice League has him so desperate to be right and be proven right that he's going to go to the Batman who laughs, which is they're the complete opposites when it comes to uh, planning, strategy, motives, all of it. 100%. Batman who laughs is pure chaos. But... You know, being be, th- when I really think about it, he's not the Joker. You know, it's not. No, he's Bruce. Yeah. He's Bruce. <laughs> he's Bruce. If anybody is uh, almost as smart as Lex, it'd be Bruce. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. Like we have an issue with Joker and Lex kind of going head to head, but I feel like, um, unlike that Joker, unlike Joker's, um, I guess response to Lex, the Batman who laughs kind of. I get as someone who's I guess seen the horrors of the multiverse or the dark multiverse, which is where he comes from. Lex to him is like a kid that doesn't know what he's getting into yet. Whereas Joker almost fears that Lex is going to overstep his boundaries and something crazy is going to happen, like with the Batman who laughs. Uh, the entire time that Batman who laughs is talking to Lex, he's kind of laughing at him, like he's kind of like, "You don't even know what you're doing, bro." Like he's the one who gives up uh, the name Perpetua, as we as we'll get to in a bit. So it shows that, like you said, Bruce, the Bruce Wayne, even in the evil universe, even uh, fully Jokerized, still has his eye on the ball. He's every bit as smart as the as the regular Bruce Wayne. That's the scariest part about the character, I think, and that's supposed to be the point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're shown a flashback to 1988, where Lionel Luther was using a satellite to try and study the totality. 
uh, but because of its immense power, the satellite they were using was overwhelmed and it shoots a beam of combined energy to Earth, giving Will Payton his powers. Uh, he's flying one day when he's shot out of the sky by a time-traveling Lex Luthor who captures and tortures him for knowledge about the universe. Now that he's in the Justice League protection, they have to find out what Luther knows. Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom, Lex chats with the Batman who laughs. The evil Bruce explains that he knows what Luther's up to. He blew up the Legionnaire Club, which led him to finding the information about the dad's satellite experiment, which led him to the time travel and grabbing of Will Payton, who is, uh, then, under duress, told him how to get the Seven Hidden Forces, which in turn allowed Lex to pick his team based on who can accept those forces. So, yeah, he figured the whole thing out in his dungeon. I thought that was pretty That was pretty intense. That was very, uh, very Batman. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's during that conversation, or maybe later, where he shows that he has a, a pin to unlock, that he could unlock himself with. Yeah. And he, just, he, he wants to be there. Well... You know? Well, one of Lex Batman, who while Lex Luthor was the outright big like villain of the Justice League run, Batman who laughs was clearly the manipulator the entire time. Yeah, yeah, um, and he ends up being a much bigger player later on. You know, as he's as he uh, continues his machinations in the Batman Superman book, those heads uh, come to a head. I don't know if that's how that saying goes, but. <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of heads. With a lot of heads. So uh the evil Bruce. Oh, I did that already. Uh <laughs> Will pay in yes, here he comes. He says Lex knows everything except what happens when all the forces are unlocked. Elsewhere, using the tier of extinction, which allows you to harm gods, Manta and Cheetah attack Poseidon. And uh, set his light set his lighthouse on fire. Back with Luther and the Batman who laughs. Batman who laughs tells him to gain power, to gain the power he seeks. He has to learn to surrender and not place himself at the center of all his machinations. He offers Lex the secrets of the universe in exchange for his release. Luther agrees. So Batman who laughs tells him about Perpetua an immensely powerful entity that molded the universe into extinction or existence. <laughs> if Luther frees the forces, he will unbind Perpetua. As an injured Batman and Martian Manhunter discuss their next step, a woman's shape can be seen emanating from the totality. When, when all of this was announced, were you hyped for the, for the reveal eventually of Perpetua? I feel like she's such a big uh overarching character. I wasn't even know I wasn't even sure exactly what it was going to be. And with DC sometimes you got to watch with the scalings of these characters in the sense of like who's bigger than who, who has more power than who. And now that we have this Perpetua who's seems to be the guiding force beyond everything. Like we thought the uh anti-monitor, the monitor, these other big humongous cosmic beings who have done really ridiculous things and sort in you know feats of strength we thought them to be the be-all end-all when it came down to the existence of the universe and then you turn around you get introduced to perpetua and you realize that there's somebody bigger uh, handling all this how do you feel about um the announcement that there was somebody like this perpetua were you hyped that she was going to end up i 
I was a. I appreciate the Perpetua thing. I'm down. Okay. Yeah. I I, I I I I like when someone can retcon something and change the frame of every story we've ever written, as, as we've ever read. But only when they can do it. It, 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 it can't always be done. It shouldn't be done all the time. And there shouldn't be this constant yes. reframing. But um, I agree. I like to see it when it's done right. I, I, the perpetual thing is starting to grow on me. More yeah. now that I've read I, uh, that first issue of, Dark, of Death Metal. I think, you know, and this is a little bit spoilery, but I think the best part of the of the perpetual thing is this weird, like, loving relationship between her and Lex, at least as it starts. I know it doesn't end that way, but, like, this is Lex's muse. Like, this is who he's doing everything for. Like, um, for the first time, he's able to surrender his own personal needs and stuff to serve Perpetua in the hopes that she would then in turn serve him. So the idea that he wouldn't take a knee to anything let alone this entity shows how big of a force she's going to be. And literally she's going to change all of that. We know when it comes to the justice league and leads us right to, uh, uh, death metal. We have what, what, but it's basically a one shot next. Would you agree? I, I mean, uh, drown. Would we, would, did you mean like the, uh, the moon thing, the, 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 the coronavores? Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but basically Superman uh, is putting the moon back together and uh, Batman, you know, who's he's doing some surgeries and stuff and Superman's attacked by this alien. And you basically find out that Batman is is keeping Superman on his toes by sending aliens to go fight him or something. That's right. That's right. I entirely forgot about that. <laughs> right. It, it's basically a one shot because it's, it's what separates, I'm guessing, you know, the rest of the story from Drowned Earth. Like, it's just a one shot that kind of has people it, like all the Justice League is just hanging out. Like at one point, they're like in the in the dining hall. Just, yeah, it's like, like eating a, burgers and stuff. it's a cool like uh, slice of Justice League life thing. Yes. Which is really I, I think it's really cool. We get a very poignant conversation between, I guess, Kendra and and John. But um, I I'm not a, I was not a fan of Drown Earth. I felt like it just killed the moment. <laughs> story. For me. And you that synergy, right? That has to be 100% synergy. That was getting ready for the movie. The, Aquaman, the Aquaman movie. I forgot that that might have been at the same exact time. Yeah, I only know because some of those variant covers were like Momoa. I was like, oh, okay. That makes... That, that's And and the, there's like a, a very, very similar image used in both Aquaman and in Drowned Earth of Arthur being uh, chained by his neck and his, and his wrist. Uh, and on his knees, so I thought that was kind of um, poignant. Uh, you let me see, let me see, let me see. So Clark is unfazed. Basically, what ends up happening is Batman alerts the Justice League that a big ass alien is about to come and attack Superman, who's working on the moon. Clark is unfazed and tells Bruce to call off the big ass alien because he's deduced that Bruce has been sending challenges to to Clark in hopes of opening his eyes to the dangers ahead. Uh, Bruce does call off the alien, and Superman, I think, carves a bat into the moon. I think <laughs> he does something to the moon, but I don't think they show us, right? I think he just kind of uh, he just put it back together. I don't know that he did anything crazy, especially because I'm looking at it right now, and he's just. Kinda... I guess Bruce, but Bruce is like amazed. Is he just amazed at the fact that it's together? That Superman can do the things that he does. Ah, uh, come on! Stop underestimating him, Bruce. 
I mean, the dude literally just put the moon back together. (laughs) And I guess it's a beautiful thing, too. Which is, I mean, I I like to see, I I really like this issue, actually. I like to see the Justice League just kind of existing with each other. Of course, I don't think you can do more than one issue at a time of this, but... uh, <laughs> no, you're right. I, I what I also like is that in this issue in particular, and I I would also say the first issue, they do a real job. Like they they're doing a consistent job in showing that um, the Justice League are a team of the people, right? Their league, their their headquarters is not hidden. If anything, it gives tours. Like they're very much entrenched with the society in the DC universe, and that's something that for the most part, a lot of superhero teams aren't. Like they're loud and proud, you know where the where the Hall of Justice is, um, you know, yeah, all the heroes that that are in it, all that stuff, and I think that that kind of humanizes the team a little bit because they're not trying to be, um, more than human, I would guess. They're I mean, not they're- really try. It, it's the old generalization where DC is like gods among men, and Marvel is men trying to be gods. Well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these people are still people, you know? They're just ultra-powerful, and they can't actually be the just people they want to be. But they try. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking, I'm looking at my Drowned Earth notes, and there's a lot of alien water talk. It's so... <laughs> it's, oh, my God. Because it's like, Drowned Earth, okay, ultimately had yeah. no purpose other than to put the character of Aquaman in a position where he needs to be for a plot later on. Start from scratch, basically, right? Because it wipes so, his memory. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't. that doesn't ever matter either because the, the, the idea is that, you know, later on in the run, Snyder will bring him back from wherever he put him or whatever. But we, well, my problem is that we spent, like, how many issues? Like, I, I, I remember it feeling really long. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a it's a Justice League Aquaman crossover. It starts with its own one shot thing, and then it's crossover issues, and then in the one shot that it ends with, it maybe it wasn't technically that long, but it felt like it because it just took the whole the totality perpetual story, and, and and while it did tie into it a little bit, it just kind of felt like we were going off road, taking a detour for a little bit, and I'm just like, Ugh. You're, you're right. The whole story takes a screeching halt, and I think one of the evidences of that is this idea that um. Like you said, uh, like Lex is not even paying attention to the event of Drowned Earth. He's not trying to manipulate any side. He's not trying. You understand what I'm saying? He's I, just hoping that everyone's looking in one direction so he can go and, and take the totality. They go. The best thing about Drowned Earth was for a uh, Manipal's art, Francis Manipal. Manipal. I can yeah. never pronounce. That I love him. I, I love. I love his art. I was uh, first introduced to his art on um, the Flash and New Fifty Two. Yep. I thought it was amazing. Yep. Really, really good stuff. Um, uh, and 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 sir, I I hate that you say that that the that's the best part because the actual best part is the introduction of the league's newest member, Jaro. Uh, that's the best yeah. part of, of all this. Did, did, uh, oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. We do get to see Jaro. It's Jaro. <laughs> um, so let's let's uh let's crack open this. So Aquaman and Wonder Woman are in search of Poseidon who they believe transferred his consciousness to another body because he's, he disappeared. They see a beacon shine from the graveyard of the gods into space. 
Superman and the League are off trying to locate the Legion of Doom headquarters. When Batman warns, I'm re- as I'm reading this and I'm taking my notes, that whole thing with like the lava monsters, that's all like busy work. Like that, yeah. all of that. I'm like, what is this about? And I'm like, should I be getting into detail? No, because these things are not even, like, none of this matters. They're not, none of it matters. No. Uh, so uh, Batman warns that there that a beacon landed on a piece of cosmic coral a space barrier reef <laughs> batman whose body is ravaged by luther now sits in a mech suit and uses jaro a sentient piece of starro in a jar as a co-pilot who helps him probe starman's mind for clues so before we go forward yeah <laughs> i have to i have to say this and i might say this many times throughout these next two episodes of major issues but I love Jaro so much. I love Jaro so, so, so much. I want Jaro. I want a Jaro plushie. I want Jaro toys. I think Jaro is such a a merchandise opportunity. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I think does he? He might predate Baby Yoda. He does. He does. And and not a lot of people understand Starro or his connection with the origin of the Justice League as a concept. Or whatever, but even looking past all the cool meta stuff, Jaro is cute as hell, and I love yeah. his interactions with Batman, and I love how much Batman cares about Jaro. It yep. is, and it, and without spoiling it, he has a big moment in in and our so that we'll take care of in our second episode. Moment, he does have a huge moment. Uh, to me, Jaro, best Robin. We'll get. <laughs> That's a bold. That's a bold. That's a bold statement. But you know, I I think you might have the evidence to back it up. With the thing about Starro, or yeah, no, the thing about Starro is that Starro was a part of No Justice as well. He was on one of the teams, and he was literally ripped apart, and he sacrificed himself for the team, and he was shredded for it. And so this is just a piece of Starro, but every piece of Starro turns into its own Starro, and so uh, and has immense telepathic powers. And so you're dealing with Batman, who's dealing with now this Jaro, and this Jaro, uh, Starro shows up in metal. Uh, did he show up in metal? I feel like he did. Yeah, I think he's in the he's in the back he's in the background of one of those. I want to say Thanagar, maybe or another planet. He's in the background behind the king, (laughs) and he's talking about the smack. There's so much going. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, but there's so much going on in metal that something like that I can't even pinpoint. Right. The only uh, reason why I say that is because that was the first time I ever heard him speak that way, like talking smack. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh snap!" Star has kind of like an attitude, like he, he kind of like a, is a rebel, you know. And from that moment, and Scott wrote that, so from that moment now, Starro has kind of like this, this kind of like swag about him, or Jaro uh, as it stands. And I thought that was really, really damn cool. All right, let's 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 drown the earth. Author tells Diana the story of King Arion, former ruler of Atlantis, when it was still an island. He and Poseidon built a great conch to signal all the oceans uh, as a means to unify aquatic life in the galaxy. Um, some came in peace, but invaders came and destroyed Atlantis. Uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman stumble upon what seems to be the key to the graveyard of the gods, but not before a huge space monster shows up, uh, bringing with him some space ocean <laughs> with it. The uh, weird, yes, the the spotion water 
uh, touches touches Firestorm and mutates him into this weird fierce creature instantly. Arthur tries to escape, but he is swallowed whole by the sea monster. He awakens and finds himself shackled and at the mercy of the triumvirate of the sea gods. I, I was I, I took these notes. Um, I dictated these notes to my phone. Uh, as I was reading, I would I would I would uh, <laughs> summarize, and I had to say triumvirate of the sea gods way too often. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so we meet these guys and it's it's so like I just like uncreative in my opinion Captain Gaul uh, Commander Rogue <laughs> Commander Rogue bro that's a 1980s wrestling name I feel like maybe this was a mandate an editorial mandate to do something of Aquaman Aquaman thing yeah and then Snyder immediately removes Aquaman from his story <laughs> Never bother me with this again. <laughs> and what's what's weird is that the, like two big issues of Justice League get taken apart. I'm taking you know in with this story, right? But then the ending is not in Justice League. It's not even in Aquaman. There's a specific Aquaman slash Justice League comic that ends this, which I thought was a weird editorial choice. Like, why not just end it where where it's at? It's the extra five bucks they need them. I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, they do. Listen, I I don't see you picking up issues of damage. All right, <laughs> so I, I understand. <laughs> I still laugh and I still tell friends that I optimistically asked you how many of the the new Age of Hero books would come out, and you were like, none of them. None of them are gonna stay. <laughs> they all suck. <laughs> it, it was so obvious. <laughs> And and here we are. Here we are. I think there's like one of them is, is still around, right? Maybe Not like a single one of those characters ended up being <laughs> any type of importance. The only one people liked was Sideways, and then they shelved it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Sideways already had like a a, a weird PR marketing thing of everyone's like, oh, this is DC Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, don't give don't give that kid that. You know how much of a high bar that is. You, you, you're stressing people out over there. Uh, so, oh, yes. Captain Gaul, Commander Rogue, and Fleet Admiral Tide. Uh, they, say, they say they're from space and came to heed the beacon just like they did last time. This makes Arthur think that they also come in peace, but they revealed that they are the invaders that came the first time and they are not alone. The Earth is surrounded by enemy ships from oceans on distant planets, making sure no one can go in or out. With one powerful motion, Drogue uses the space kraken to flood parts of Earth with the same transformative alien water that affected Firestorm. The waves are too strong. The heroes are outnumbered and all seems lost. So this is one of those comics where like it, 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 tries to get your goat by doing like these massive uh, destruction scenes of yeah. like Metropolis and Gotham and then kind of just hand waves it away when the comic's over. Yeah. And, like, and then everything just went back to normal. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of things like that, but I guess it did affect the whole DC universe, uh, Earth, Prime Earth, and all these heroes getting involved and getting uh, alienized or whatever the word you want to use. Right, right, right. The right ocean, there. bro. It's a space the, ocean. That space ocean. <laughs> uh, Aquaman pleads with his captors to spare Earth, 
but they refuse. And we see Gotham be overtaken by alien floodwater. Batman arrives in hologram form to instruct Jim Gordon, but Gordon falls into the water and becomes a sea monster. Poor Gordon. He literally like just tripped and <laughs> fell backwards into the water. Uh, what I like, I like, I like this part here where it's like Metropolis seems to be protected by an experimental wall built by Star Labs, but the rest of the world is not so safe. Like Superman is literally shrugging, going like, Metropolis is kind of good. Like, y'all dealing with stuff over there? Because Metropolis is kind of set. We're okay, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Flash runs around America and the world and with the help of other heroes, gets as many people away from the water as possible. In Atlantis, Queen Mera... Uh, who is literally the queen. Um, she is the one ruling Atlantis at the moment. She breaks Ocean Ma- Master out of prison, asking for his help against this alien invasion. Aquaman pleads again with his captors, but they refuse again. They say that they were locked away from their people by Poseidon and sent to the graveyard of the gods, meaning that they couldn't serve their people in their time of need and many of their planets were destroyed. They say that they have made a deal uh, to take Earth with this gentleman and black manta suddenly appears challenging arthur to a fight to the death the walls of metropolis are not strong enough to hold uh the alien ocean back and metropolis is now flooded superman is pissed and through intel from the justice league science team he finds out that the water is coming from a sentient being an ancient space kraken named flood so he goes to the take out the fight head on he named elsewhere Yes, he named the flood. <laughs> like that was his best. That was his best there. I'm telling you, uh, Snyder was just so. Snyder was done with this story, and he's the one who's writing it. <laughs> uh, so he goes to fight it head on. Elsewhere, Aquaman and Manta do battle until Aquaman is taunted with a vision of his wife in danger. He reaches out to her telepathically, and her and Orm grab Arian's crown, which uh, will lead them to the Tear of Extinction, an ancient weapon. That beat this army before. They are ambushed, but Orm sacrifices himself so Mira could get away. How do you feel about the inclu- inclusion of Ocean Master? Uh, I thought that was cool. I honestly expected him to turn on her, but I feel like this was again an editorial mandate. <laughs> why is why was he in jail? Do you remember? Uh, I have not read Aquaman since Jeff Johns was on it. Did he get imprisoned from there? That's what I'm saying. Like, I think he got imprisoned for like Throne of Atlantis or something. Sure. Oh, get out of here. Really? Nobody used him all that time. <laughs> I I mean, you know how this thing works. Like I said, same thing with um same thing with uh what you call it? Uh Marshall Manhunter. <laughs> like they put him away and then no one ever touched him forever. People just forget. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean uh, I honestly could not tell you off the top of my head when was the last time I saw an, an, an Ocean Master story of any importance. And Throne yeah. of Atlantis might actually be the last one. And then the thing that it was supposed to lead to never happened. And remember, they teased the rise of the Seven Seas, and then yes. that absolutely never, ever, ever happened. And then... <laughs> I, I read Aquaman, and it did that thing that all comics do at one point where he just like goes back in time or something like that, or goes, goes into like goes into some weird space dimension um but you're right like they set up some really big things and they even had that that team didn't he have like a team like of other aqua people oh my gosh like other badasses like aquaman and the 
I can't Aquaman. remember. It's like Aquaman, Aquaman and, and the Fish Boys. I don't know. Aquaman, Aquaman and the Fish Boys. All right. Not. Oh my God. And he like he was like dating one of them. It was like a whole thing. I can't remember. I hate this now. I don't want to know what this is. No, no, no. Now I'm looking it up. Oh, uh, no. Did you like the Aquaman film? I don't think I spoke to you about the Aquaman film. I, uh, my little Uh-oh. brother. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll say this. I went into it with very, very low expectations, and um, <clears throat> they, they ended up not being that as bad as I thought it would. Okay. Uh, I thought the movie was okay. Um, I did not hate it. <laughs> These are all the positive things I can say about Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they were all... All of that was was positive. <laughs> like, I, can, I, can, uh, I can tell you that right now. Uh, uh, I have to watch it tonight because I've got requested to watch it. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> so, uh, not going to be fun. I, I, I like Momoa. I like I like Momoa. I think very much like how like Johns is um you know run redefine that character. I think the one two punch of Johns's work plus Momoa's aesthetic uh really make that character stand out. I just thought whoever decided to put the Pitbull remix of uh, <laughs> uh, Toto's Africa. Okay, I'll tell you this. Toto. Yeah. Oh my god. I That was the most cringeworthy moment in a DC film thus far. And like you've seen <laughs> yeah. you, you've seen Suicide Squad. <laughs> yes. yes, this is true. Um, So my whole thing was uh, I, that, when that song came up, I audibly like cracked up in the theater. Like this is probably the worst thing ever made. Like the fact that they made this song because everyone was going crazy about Toto's Africa. Remember, like that was the thing, and it even got remade. Uh, I think, um, golly, that band remade him. Can't remember. Uh, but it's it, they, everyone did like homages. Pitbull thought he could just take the instrumental and rap over it, and I'm like, what? What? And in what world? Brothers thought it was okay to put this in a movie, not in the credits, the way I right. thought it would. Because when this movie came, when this, uh, when that song came out, it was a few days before the movie came out, and I remember, t- I think it was in the in uh in the major issues group chat where I was like, no way, this move, this song is gonna be like in the movie, like this, no way, it's gonna be in the credits. <laughs> <laughs> I was um I was t- I was taking notes for this right and. One of the things I do when I take notes is I play music in the background. So as I was taking notes for Drowned Earth, I ended up putting this song up. And uh, or I put the, the soundtrack up. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Worldwide. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I refuse. Uh, which was funny. I still, you realize I can, I still was not able to find that team. So maybe they're just not meant to be found. Well. I appreciate sorry, Aquaman. I, I think you did that on purpose. <laughs> I um, removed his existence. His, his team is gone. All right. Well, so Superman is doing battle with Commander Drogue, who's using his aquatic alien powers to drain Superman of his before he can, uh, but before he can throw him in the ocean. Flash shows up and quickly saves Superman before he's dropped into the alien waters below. Back at the Justice League headquarters, Batman tricks Miss Martian. Uh, into waiting in the Hall of Justice, saying that he'll be right back, but instead sends her out. She fears that he is good because all the the floods of the water are attacking the Hall of Justice, so she wants to evacuate. He tells her, oh, don't worry, I'll be right behind you, and then locks the door behind her because he is intent of staying back and protecting the totality. 
Uh, Arthur continues to be taunted by his captors, uh, captors, and one of them manages to take his powers and give it to his sworn enemy, Black Manta. Elsewhere, pirate uh, alien pirates, it was just weird, alien pirates are sailing across the city um, when a furious Wonder Woman shows up and demands to know where Aquaman is. As Batman sits in the Hall of Justice, he tries to get in contact with his other teammates. He manages to get in contact with the Flash and Superman, who have both been affected by their contact with the alien water. Superman tells Batman that most of their teammates um, have been overcome as well. And we see aquatic versions of Swamp Thing, Chinese Superman, and other others. Out of nowhere, um, Queen Mera shows up to save the day. And she informs everyone that Atlantis is gone, but she knows where to go for help. The triumvirate of sea gods makes Arthur walk the same plank Poseidon made them walk that ultimately killed them and sent them to the graveyard of the gods. He does his best to fight them off, but ultimately is thrown off a cliff, but is fortunately saved by Wonder Woman. Together, they use the key to the graveyard of the gods to go inside of the key to find Poseidon. The Flash, Superman, and Queen Mera ended up, uh, end up in the Atacama Desert in search of the tomb of Arion. Using their combined powers, Flash and Superman are able to identify its entrance, but Flash is starting to succumb to his transformation. Arthur and Diana end up at the Graveyard of the Gods, but back at Arion's tomb, our heroes can't find the Tear of Extinction because Black Manta has it, and he's arrived to taunt them with it. He has made a deal with the Triumvirate, so they made him king of the Earth's ocean. It was him who called the sea gods to Earth, hoping they destroy Atlantis and kill Arthur. He shows his immense power by flooding the desert. Uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman manage to find Poseidon at the graveyard. Aquaman asks him for help, but is stabbed with the Triton. Meanwhile, the Hall of Justice is about to be destroyed by incoming alien waves. Batman grips the totality close, but an explosion signals the arrival of the legion of doom who have come for the totality so one of the things i'll say is that i liked how craven manta was like the more and more power he got the more and more authority he seemed to have uh you know received from these sea gods the crazier he seemed to have been um i like that when he got all this powers he's like oh my god all this power and you used it to talk to fish like it's another call back to the whole joke <laughs> about that how you how do you how, how did you like manta uh, overall because I, this is the I, last I, bit of it we're gonna see of him for a while yeah i think they, they kind of used this <laughs> i swear like after after this snyder was just like please get rid of anyone who's in that movie because i maybe out of spite or like he's just like bye <laughs> like bye manta no doom for you bye aquaman no league for you and now bring mera in because you need me to have a fish person but that's it <laughs> and then um all of a sudden like I, I, it gets to a point where they're like we don't have manta and you know spoiler alert they lose somebody else as well and then lex is like oh we don't need them he's like no we're good and what are you what are y'all beefing about and i was like what all this thing about keeping numbers and these specific people and all this stuff, hilarious. I would guess that their usefulness has come to an end, but then when was he Manta useful? Right? I, I, that's the thing. That's the thing I think that hurts me the most is that they show the forces and their powers. Um, the Tear of Extinction and the Graveyard of the Gods was taken in Justice League and ultimately just used for this. 
which doesn't work. So it's like, you know, like the still force is still around. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that the ultraviolet spectrum is still around. But what the for, what's the point of unlocking these forces if they don't they don't do anything? <laughs> like if they don't lead to any victory? It was weird for me. Well, I will without getting into spoilers. I will say that they end up being given. Uh, I don't want to say it's a hand wave, but because clearly he spent all these issues establishing this. But in the in he he he, there are a lot of energies like within this run. You know the the justice and the doom and the entropy and and, and mystery and all these mysterious energies and some are good and some are bad. They've been successfully separated into two categories. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'll say that. I think I. I think I'm. I'm. Uh, I think I'm catching what you're selling. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think. I think I got it. Uh, so how do you feel about the Legion of Doom sneaking up behind Batman and coming to take the totality? I don't like it when anyone sneaks up behind Batman. It doesn't make any sense to me. How can he be so smart <laughs> sometimes, but so stupid other times? But I guess he is right. critical. This is all. This is also true. Um, and it's like, it's like son of a gun. Like now, like we got to deal with you now. We're dealing with so much stuff over here and you still only care about this. But of course he does. That's the only thing Lex cares about in this moment. Uh, black with back, back with black Manta. I was going to say black with back Manta. Back Manta. (laughs) Back Manta. Um, back with black Manta. He sends a horde of alien creatures to attack Superman, the flash and Mira as Mira uses her aquakinesis to create a force field. At the Hall of Justice, Lex Luthor has his sights set on the totality when Batman comes in oh, sorry, wearing a Lex suit. At the Graveyard of the Gods, Wonder Woman attacks Poseidon for stabbing Aquaman. First of all, the art goes bananas. I don't know what the hell happened. Um, <laughs> Did they change artists? Just, just in this moment. Just so in that, this. Usually that's a fill-in thing. Like someone just couldn't get their page done in time. It's like the graveyard of the gods, so everything looks weird. Everything looks wispy. Or, or it could be one of the. Was it? Is it one of those things where all the graveyard of the god scenes were drawn by the same person? I think so, because they're all. They, those are the only ones that look that way. Okay, I get it. Uh, yeah, the graveyard of the gods. Trying to see if, I, if there's any imagery. Uh, but honestly, I, I yeah. I don't see anything here. But yeah, it was it was some craziness. I was like, wow, it looks like a like a drug trip. Um it, I, uh, it reminds it reminds me of um uh uh Arkham Serious House on Serious Earth. Like that kind of art. Yeah. Honestly, I I uh, I don't like when we jump through different artists after in the same issue, let alone let alone right, say right, right. You know, like uh, it's you I'm not the- worry about is that the next issue might be by a different artist very rarely do you have to worry about the next page being by a different artist. and like sometimes i get it sometimes it's a stylistic thing that works sometimes right yeah <laughs> hilarious uh but, but so um uh poseidon confesses that since his powers were removed and given to Black Manta, the only way to give Arthur his powers was to stab him with a trident. <laughs> he also confesses to his great mistake. And this is when we find out that Poseidon's just a shitbag and that all of this is to Poseidon's fault because he's an asshole. 
Um, it, because it turns out that while Arion hoped to use Atlantis and its spires to connect all of oceanic life in the galaxy, Poseidon grew scared and suspicious of any outsiders and convinced uh, Arion that anybody coming in would be a threat. Uh, I'm saying I was saying that right, Arion, Orion. Uh, he already mastered the power of the life force, so Poseidon. Um, stuck fear of betrayal in his mind and used it to create a device that could destroy the triumvirate of sea gods. As it turns out, the sea gods themselves were peaceful and it was Poseidon's preemptive strike that sent them to the graveyard of the gods for the millennia. So you knock on somebody's door, they open the door. Before they open the door, you tell the person next to you, listen, when they open, they're going to shoot us. And then they just preemptively knock the person out and then they, we had to do that. We don't. We didn't know what was going to happen. So... Uh, those those peace loving sea gods were trapped for a millennia because of Poseidon's fear. Uh, so they are not happy. Yeah. Knowing that, go ahead, brother. I was gonna say that uh, I I I found out who the artist was. <laughs> oh, <There's, laughs> I I see what you mean now. I kind of I had to go up and look up the issue, and I was like, "What's going on?" I was it, hoping I was hoping you could see it because it, it's hard to describe. It's 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 Chris Irving. Uh, okay. he, yeah, I've known him more from Grant Morrison's old stuff for, he did some stuff with, uh, Batman RIP with the Dr. Death and all that. Okay. He, he's got very unique art. So I, I know how I can see how it would be. That's definitely not someone I would choose to, to go from, uh, artist to artist. Yeah. I was like, that was a weird choice, but it is just, is a definitive choice. Like that was, they chose to do that. So it must be for a reason. Um, uh, knowing that Wonder Woman and Aquaman are inside the key of the graveyard of the gods, um, I don't know where that where that sentence went. Knowing <laughs> that uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman were inside the key of the graveyard of the gods, Cheetah takes it, um, and they use the knob of doom to destroy it. Lex also takes the totality and transforms himself um, and the Legion of Doom out of the Hall of Justice. So they've destroyed the graveyard of the gods key while Diana and Arthur are inside, and they take the totality and bounce. Um, another wave of creatures comes to attack uh, Mira, Superman, and Flash, but Mira senses something in the water and realizes that the tear of extinction is inside Arian's bones. He uses, she uses her aquakinesis and a piece of the crown to create a sword used to attack the sea gods. Knowing of the power of the tear of extinction, the sea gods retreat. Poseidon sacrificed himself to allow Wonder Woman and Aquaman to exit the graveyard of the gods, knowing that he would need all his power to do so. As the sea gods congregate at the Blood Reef, Manta is furious and calls upon the Death Kraken. Coming up on the last part of this, and then we do a little bit of uh, Joker and Hawkworld, and we out. Our last chapter of Drown Earth begins... Uh, with the squad being attacked by all the ocean's aliens and an armada surrounding Earth, making sure that no one can receive outside help. All seems lost uh, for our heroes until Aquaman and Wonder Woman show up to save the day. They exchange information like how to use the Tear of Extinction and Arthur provides Poseidon's confession. Mirror thinks that they should just use the Tear of Extinction to kill the gods. But Arthur realizes that that was the mistake Poseidon made, jumping to conclusions and condemning them. He admits that it may not be a safe idea, but he wants to convince uh, the gods just to go so he doesn't have to kill them. 
using the magic. I'm using magic to see gods begin to bring the Kraken into Earth's orbit, hoping to stop them before the Kraken destroys Earth. Arthur and the other heroes try their best to get through to the sea gods. Wonder Woman uses one of the towers of Atlantis and Batman is able to help her uh, send it into the stratosphere. And it breaks through the barrier created by the aliens. And this causes uh, Manta. What? And this failure causes Manta. Oh, sorry. This failure causes Lex to pull Manta out of the field. But Manta refuses. Were you surprised that Lex was, I mean, that Manta put his foot down in that situation? Because you have this situation here where uh, Lex is in charge of everybody in the Justice League and Manta kind of puts his needs first. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I kind of got it. I, it. The members of the Legion of Doom are all individuals who have strong personalities. So it, yes, was, not, it was never going to work forever. Uh, right. The idea that one of them would step out of line and have to be gotten rid of, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess it had to happen. Right. Uh, but, but so yeah, Manta's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I don't give a damn. He literally says, like, I can't hear you or something like that. <laughs> like, you ghosting Lex Luthor. Uh, yeah, so when I did that Wonder Woman thing, Queen Mera begs Aquaman, please kill these guys. <laughs> She's always like, just kill them, please. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. Uh, we have to try to, we have to try to fix this. She confesses that the tear of extinction might have been corrupting her, and that with the power of that Poseidon imbued upon Aquaman, that maybe they can combine and create a weapon that can save the day. Using the Clarion, that's that little piece that Mira had. Mira is able to pro- project her thoughts of a perfect, peaceful aquatic union into the minds of all the heroes and the enemies. Uh, the enemies are unconvinced until Aquaman takes a knee and offers Poseidon's trident to the triumvirate. Suddenly, the sea gods uh, think, eh, maybe this is okay. And they start to retreat. But in anger, Manta stabs one of them with the tear of extinction, killing it, killing them. It's now heroes and villains, uh, kind of, sort of, versus Manta. Um, and he's able to kill all three of the sea gods. Which is, I was like, oh, damn. Aquaman, uh, oh, sorry, Lex tries again to get him through communications, but Manta disobeys his order and officially quits the Legion of Doom. In her last bit of effort, the female sea god rips all the powers away from Black Manta and gives them back to Arthur, Arthur, who commands the myriad of fish on the planet to defend him. Then him and Manta go one-on-one. Realizing the Death Kraken is still on its way to Earth, Arthur sacrifices himself and flies straight into the beast's mouth, destroying it. Everything goes back to normal, uh, except for the fact that no one knows where Aquaman is. Mira agrees to take his place in the League, even though Diana knows he's out there somewhere. And he indeed is, as we see Aquaman wash up on shore. I don't have anything to say. I think that <laughs> that was that. Yeah. Uh, like I said, some if <clears throat> this is a story that you could definitely pick up and read on its own. If you're a fan of Aquaman and you, you watch the movie and you want to grab, you want to read something else and maybe see him interact with some other heroes, I don't personally have a large connection to Aquaman. And it's not so much the, that he's a joke or anything like that. I don't care. I don't see him that way. I just don't, I don't really care for sea stories or anything. So I was like, but on top of that, I was mostly invested in the story that was already going on in Justice League. So this kind of just felt like an unnecessary detour. Again, yeah. if, you just felt like you wanted to read some Aquaman stuff to pick it up. Drowned Earth, it's out there. 
I feel like one of the things, one of the selling points of this was like seeing the league, seeing the Justice League in like water things. Like like Superman has like a Superman eye patch. Like that, that was a lot of like the promotional material was like, what I mean, does the Justice League have to do to fight water people? Like, are they gonna get water armor? Are they gonna become, you know, uh, aquatic warriors? What what was it gonna be? And it kind of just wasn't anything. It kind of just like there was not like there was nothing to any of that. None the of eye it patch or the pirate outfits or any of that kind of stuff. It was fairly self-contained. The, the, yeah. the Doom stuff being the only tie in to anything else that was going on. They kept making it seem like like there was a ticking clock with Flash, but that doesn't go anywhere either. Like, and he just becomes a fish. There's a sad moment where he's like, "I am still Barry Allen," <laughs> but besides that, it's it's, it's over. Um, but I'm glad that the next thing into this is back to Legion of Doom because we deal with uh, 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 basically would you call this a one shot as well? Like what? I would say this was uh, kind of the uh, I, I, I wouldn't call it one shot because it definitely has uh, importance here. But yeah, you'd probably read it on its own. If anything, it's just kind of the uh, I want to say was this the last Legion of Doom issue of Justice League? The last in, in this run that we're doing right now, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it was one of my favorite issues of the run, honestly. Yeah. Seeing uh, seeing uh, everything the Joker is about to do. It's about, I would call it, I guess you could call it a one-shot, if only because the story is started and ended within the same issue, but uh, it does end up having a much, much larger implication later on. Yeah, because we're we're constantly asking ourselves why would the Joker be on the same side as the Justice League when he kind of sort of doesn't deal with order uh, or being told what to do, and we get this story where um, Joker seemingly needs to show Luther his might. It seems like a story where uh, Joker is pissed that Luther crossed his one rule at the moment, which is not to work with the Batman who laughs. Yeah, uh, Joker. That Joker is, and Batman both took took on. They took him on. They they fought him in that weird Batcave. Remember? That was a great moment, actually. The end of Metal, where Joker and Batman have to team up to fight the Joker Batman. Because I guess you need right. elements of both if you're gonna win. But uh, right. I thought I thought seeing Joker's feelings about the Batman who laughed uh, it, when when we get that opening scene with Lex recruiting the Joker. I thought that was super interesting. It's just a quote where he's like, yes. you know, uh, the Batman from the other world, the Batman who laughs, he's a wrong thing, Lex. <laughs> yeah. He's wrong. And I don't know if it's in this, I don't know if it's in this issue. It might have been in one of the ones from before where he's like, that's not like my Batman. Like, you know, he's like, I don't, I don't really mess with him. And they show that the Batman who laughs is like under like four different layers of, of security oh it's this magic and all kinds of shit it is the same issue it's one issue where we kind of get the way joker feels about it in a flashback and then what he does when he finds out that he's been that uh lex crossed that line yeah yeah and the idea that there's there is a line for for joker to be upset about is kind of interesting you know he seemingly has no morals and no values but apparently this is crossing the line the Batman who laughs is crossing the line, and they've long used Joker 
in in various forms to show the extremes of other characters. Like he's the one who who tells Red Skull, like I may be a psychopath, but I'm an American psychopath. You know, like he the, he has several weird lines that he draws to com- show that other people are weird or worse. I can completely understand why the Joker feels the way he feels. He's uh, it doesn't make any sense. You know, he's uh, he him and Batman, their relationship. They're separate beings. Their relationship is special to the Joker. And this is almost like a bastardization of everything he loves. No, it's a perfect word. It's a a perversion. And um, the idea, this this is somebody literally dripping with dark universe energy, right? Like he he was born in the worst, (laughs) in the worst multiverse of all time. He is oozing just malice and stuff like that. And I can see how Joker just like, why would you even talk with that guy? Why would you even make a deal with him? And ultimately, I guess to kind of sort of show who's boss, uh, Joker chains him up, chains Luther up to explain, like, I don't understand. Like, you thought you had me. You thought I was going to be a part of your little crew this whole time. But ultimately, I was just going to wait till you got close to godhood and snatch it right out from under you because I only really care about myself. But seeing as you think that Batman who laughs is the person you need to be working with, then you can go do that. I quit. And um, it's funny because in inside that issue, they're looking for a replacement for Black Manta. And so there's a bunch of villains just stopping by the Legion of Doom, you know, for uh, tryouts. And Joker, Joker gasses all of them. So they go, you know, they're all crazy and they seemingly want to attack the Legion of Doom. Um, but once Joker leaves, like a boss, he like dissipates the gas. Like just to show that he can. Like he just press a button and all the gas goes away and everyone goes back to normal. He's like, yeah, I'm out. And then that's when they say, like, well, what are we going to do now? Now we don't have Joker or Manta. And Lex is like, it's fine. We have everything we need. Don't even worry about it. And that's basically how that ends. That's when they reveal that uh, Brainiac is. Um... Oh, yes, you're right. Yes. They're like, there's one more thing. Yeah. he. Uh, who's working on Brainiac? Is that Ivo? Is that how Ivo looks? It is Ivo. Ivo is decrepit and old now. Brainiac, as you recall, supposedly died. He exploded. <laughs> Justice. I thought it was um I was I enjoyed seeing the Joker assert his dominance like this. I enjoyed it because he was yeah. absolutely he was absolutely right. He warned him. And this is a bit of foreshadowing for the future, you know. It's uh yeah. it's uh it, it, Batman who laughs is not one to be trifled with or used, and Lex will learn that lesson. <laughs> and and not to go too far into other stories, but Joker even manages to warn Batman because he's the one who goes to Batman and be like, "Hey, yo, he's coming, and it's not going to be good." Yes, he so, does. Like, if something spooks the Joker, it it should raise your eyebrow. What was because, this? Batman, Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's actually the one that goes and he's able to uh to warn Bruce. So, like, yeah, if he's scared of something, you 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 take notice. Because something something's freaking up. Uh, do you want to do the hawk stuff? I feel like we we definitely do want to do the hawk stuff. It's uh, <laughs> it, was very, it was very small. It was um it lasted. It was really fast. As you remember, as you remember, a couple of arcs ago, Martian Manhunter and uh, um, Kendra and John Stewart they went off to uh, Thanagar. I think partly because. If they had been involved in the Drowned Earth story, things would have ended a bit faster. But but, yeah. but also because we had to take care of why John was on Thanagar in the first place. So we get there. Right. He's 
here looking for the keep, the keeper of all Martian information, and they're surprised to find that uh, Shayara Hall, the other, the other identity within the reincarnation cycle of Hawkwoman, is yep. is here on Thanagar, existing side by side with Kendra. This doesn't make any sense to us, the reader, but also to Kendra or Shyara. <laughs> right, who are both confused. <laughs> who are both confused. Uh, one of the fun things we do get to see here is uh, Kendra and um, John kind of start to get a little flirty-flirty with each other. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, which I guess you, you could kind of have seen coming if you knew that the usually – aggressiveness between two characters like this is going to lead to some type of Rick <laughs> and then right. uh, love making. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we get to, we get here. A lot of things don't make sense. Uh, the Thanagarians are uh, not exactly what, uh, what we know them to be. Uh, <laughs> it's Hawkman is here. He's uh <laughs> He, he, he's trying to kill. He's trying to kill Hawk Girl. He's being ordered by one Hawk Girl to kill the other Hawk Girl. He's ordered by one Hawk Girl to kill the other Hawk Girl. Uh, but uh, I guess to kind of speed things up, we're not. It was all the keep, right? It's all the keep. Not. Yeah. Well, it was all the keep, but we're not being shown the keep, or Mar John is not being told where the keep is. And the reason for that is that this whole Thanagar Prime is actually uh, sort of an illusion. Where yeah, even they even go one step further by telling him that she's dead. That when she he first get there, they're like, "Oh, yeah, she's gone." Yeah, you missed it. Keep is dead. Don't worry about yeah, she's it. Dead. John, John, Last week, <laughs> you should have came a week earlier. <laughs> but John absolutely knows what's going on. Okay, right. <laughs> tele telepathic connection. They're Martians. That's how it works. So eventually, they do find the keep. The keep uh, does die, but not before kind of explaining that. Yeah, this is all a hologram. Shyara, though was not a hologram. She does exist. Yes. Uh, the reason that she exists is because when the totality broke uh, out of the source wall, some, you know, it flew through space and time or whatever. So the reverberation kind of split the reincarnation cycle of Hawkwoman. So now the, both of these characters kind of exist at the same time. My question is more like, does this mean that they no longer reincarnate or like, how does that work going forward? Well, it gets even crazier because doesn't Starman give, yeah. like, take something from her and give it to Kendra? Like the so, Hawk part or something? So, like that? so uh, yeah, so, right. Hawk, uh, Starman was previously in, a, I guess, a coma or whatever after they after they kind of got Lex, the, the memories and the explanation of what Lex Luthor did to him out of his head. They put him in a coma to rest. But yeah. uh, he's kind of, he woke up, power tripled, something's going on. None of the league knows, <laughs> so no. uh, he does eventually. Uh, he he does wake up and he tells them the story of Perpetua. Yes, he, he gives the league now the information that Lex has. So now we're on even playing field. Uh, yeah, and at one point Superman X-rays his brain, and you can see like an energy. Like there's just his whole body is imbued with this totality energy, the energy that helped shape the the universe or the multiverse uh, as it stands. And you could just see like they say like uh, they tell Batman like be careful probing around in there because you could hit the wrong thing and all of this thing goes up in smoke. I also liked how the uh, uh, as much as I loved the art uh, that was coming from I want to say uh, 
who's the other? There's two artists. Jim is Chung. Fran- Jim Chung. Francis Manipal? No, no, no. Jim Chung was doing all the Starman scenes. But there's an artist called Steven Segoiva. I, I never okay. heard of this guy, but he was doing all the Hawkworld scenes, and it was absolutely gorgeous. I just had to put that out there because his keep, the uh, his the, the way he drew the keep, I yeah. was like in love with it. I had to actually took a screenshot. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was really cool, creepy and cool in the best way. But yeah, um, in order for us to have a chance, there had to be a complete version of the Hawkwoman. But so, but uh, I guess. In order, in order not to kill Shaira, Star Girl, uh, Star Girl, <laughs> Starman only removes a certain energy that she has within her and places it in, into Kendra. Yeah, making Kendra a whole. I'm making assuming. Kendra a whole hawk girl. A whole hawk girl. Yeah. So uh, we do. We 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 uh, we kind of get left with the uh, with this new status quo for Kendra, where she's got this important place in the center of the universe. And, and Starman basically tells Kendra, you're finally ready to fulfill your cosmic destiny. It's time to yeah. fix the source wall. Oh dear. <laughs> that's not, no pressure. No pressure, Kendra. Um, no pressure. I thought it's just crazy. It's hilarious to me because we, we know that that's not going to happen. Right. Well, she had. I, I remember even in the Unhawk world, uh, when she showed Shiera her wings, uh, there's like something written on them. There's like um, there's uh, some kind of cosmic language on them, and Shiera sees it at first, and she like exclaims, and then uh, Hawk girl's like, "What's up?" And she's like, "Oh, nothing. I don't. I can't even read that. I don't even know what it is." <laughs> and I'm like, "Wow." <laughs> like, wow. Where, where way to bury the lead? Like, so so there's something. Yeah, she does have a cosmic destiny with so all this. I- while uh, so Hawkworld proper, the story kind of was very fast. It was over. It did what it had to do when it came. But there were uh, a few extra issues within the arc that kind of had much larger, uh, a much larger effect on everything around it. The first one was the Joker issue. The second yeah. one was a issue where Martian Manhunter and Lex Luthor have a conversation, a psychic conversation. Yeah, that's pretty bad. A lot of revelations. Uh, <laughs> Basically, basically, the Martian Manhunter, when he was very young, was kidnapped by a group of scientists on Earth. One of those scientists, as it turns out, was the father of Lex Luthor, which just goes entirely against everything we've always known about Lionel Luthor. We've known him as a drunk. We've known him as abusive. And the reason that Lex grows up to be uh, the way that he is. But as it turns yeah, out, he's a piece of crap. <laughs> as it turns out, he's not exactly what we thought he was. He definitely was a part of a group of scientists who stumbled upon something they never should have stumbled upon in the first place. That'll be revealed later on in the arc. But what's important now is that Martian Manhunter, John Jones, was experimented on as a child. And this was the reason why he was able to survive what happened on Mars in the first place. Uh, and make his way to Earth. Now, uh, Martian Manhunter had actually m- developed a relationship with a younger Lex Luthor. This is all new information that we've never known before. The relationship between John and Lex. Lex, baby, Wait, this is um Alby, L- right? I think What's his little name. They called him Alby. Alby, yeah. Alby, yeah. I guess uh, a- a- Alexander, Alex. You know. Yeah. Uh, but um. Yeah, so Lex eventually does let the Martian Manhunter escape as a child, and then things happen, which we're not revealed yet, that happened to his father, which <laughs> kind of changed the way he grows up. So I'm not sure if 
if if this is something that Lex didn't want to remember prior to this or had removed from his mind. <laughs> but uh, there's a bit of th- that the, the Martian Manhunter thing. Uh, that's relatively the same, though, isn't it? Like, isn't that how his origin is for the most part? Is that he was kind of like zapped away to heal? Well, he was he was stolen from. Uh, it depends on what you were reading. Some 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 of it. He was the last survivor of Mars, and then he got zapped to Earth after everything happened. Others, yeah. uh, other it depends. This particular thing was more just he got zapped at an earlier point in his history, and then got zapped back to Mars. Right. To- continue to live the rest of his life right making him have a connection to uh lex luther like an actual um connection which is something that like you know lex is a big superman villain but tying him to martian manhunter like that is a bold move it absolutely is i actually like the way it worked out two sides of the same coin one doom one justice but um i I guess I kind of we later on in the run we will find out why exactly the Lionel Luther was experimenting on a Martian Manhunter in the first place and how that connects to everything that's going on in the DC universe right now. Yes, yes, we will. Um, what do you think about this on a re on upon reread or re look? It's absolutely fun, especially knowing what's coming up. I um, am so excited seeing, uh, see, going back and going through all of this to kind of uh, now run back and re and reread that first issue of uh, of uh, of Death Metal. I am excited. Yes. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna do. I think right after this, I'm gonna read the first issue of Death Metal. You got me too excited. That's what's going on over here. I gotta right, get my, my thoughts on that book. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but you guys can uh, you guys can get ready to start getting on to the death metal because when we return next week we will finish our second part and have and would have have uh, and would have had covered thirty nine issues of Justice League, uh, which is an immense overhaul. But that's the, that's what we do here as part of the Major Issues podcast. We try to tackle the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. So. Thank you for everybody. If you've gotten this far into the cast, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for downloading. Um, and you can get all of our episodes at comicbookclick.com. That's the official one stop for all things Comic Book Click. Our merchandise, major articles, major issues, podcasts. Um, I have a blog on there. Uh, we're doing a bunch of stuff there. and we got a bunch of stuff coming up uh, that I am excited to tell you guys, but in due time. Um, if you want if you already have a podcast app on your phone and want to find a way to catch the major issues podcast we're available wherever podcasts are found that's podbean stitcher podcast addict the apple podcast app google podcast spotify youtube um i think i said stitcher tune find iheart we are uh, on all those platforms the quickest way to find us is go to google search and type in major issues podcast and we will be the first ones to pop right up because we're always talking about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media but this cast would be nothing if it wasn't for you so if you've already read these issues and you want us to uh, let us know what you think about them what you think about the next couple of issues or if you've read metal and want us to know you could reach us at facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media and we're also at twitter at uh, major issues cbc all of those links will be in the show notes um but the one thing that you guys can do for us is we provide this 
uh, free of charge every single week. We have over 130 episodes in our catalog. All we ask is that if you dig what we're doing, rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't uh, so we can change accordingly. I've been to the future, just like Lex, one million years where we become the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. But if I tell you how we do that, that whole future gets erased. So make sure that you stay on the bandwagon, get your friends on while there's still room, because this thing will be closing up uh, and we will all be the click and ride into the sunset together. Um, But I think that's all of it. So my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. This is Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi. And this has been our Scott Snyder Justice League Part 1 recap and review. And we'll be back next week with Part 2, so make sure that you guys are too. And remember, whether or not you are a power-hungry fish assassin, whether you're dealing with some explosion, whether you're a fan of Jaro, as you should be, or whether you think that there's more going on with the totality, remember that we are the clique. And remember, you, yes, you are worthy.